You're listening to Two Eves in a Trenchcoat. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Madison. And, uh, it's... I mean, I make this joke, I feel like, every time, but, like, Mom says it's my turn on the Xbox will never not be funny to me. Um, <laughs> so it's, like, once again, we've come back around. We have we've done a roundabout, even, and it is my turn to host. And I genuinely had a really hard time this week like figuring out what i wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. like i thought about actually doing one of the jojo episodes that i've been threatening for like a couple months now but i want to rewatch each part i'm gonna talk about and preferably also read the manga for a comparison so that wasn't gonna happen oh i thought this was gonna be a jojo episode nope we're not there yet uh it's very ominous just imagine the uh (laughs) the go 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 like very ominous text just floating every time (laughs) i i mention it until it finally happens but then i was like okay well what the fuck else would i want to do and it was the author of fucking full metal alchemist oh it was the mangaka's birthday like last week a couple weeks ago a couple days ago but I thought about it because I do want to do a, like, Full Metal Alchemist episode, but I definitely, that needs to be, like, very much researched because of just very heavy themes (laughs) in Full Metal Mm -hmm. Alchemist that I want to do justice because it was formative and it's important. Yeah. So, also, that was out. I wasn't going to do it with, like, no preparation. (sighs) So then I was like, okay, what what the fuck else is there that I can do right now? And I went, okay, Eli, help me out. <laughs> and I messaged Eli. I was like, should I do Pop Team Epic or like Way of the House Husband? And I looked at Pop Team Epic and I was like, wait, no, I want to go into like how many different voice actors they hired for each episode and all the different animation and stuff. So I, th- never mind. Then I <laughs> looked at Way of the House Husband and I went, well, I don't want to do this either because like the movie hasn't even come out yet. <laughs> And I want to talk about all of it at once. It's taking me on a real journey here. I know. So I went back to the idea of Pop Team Epic. And instead of doing an entire episode on Pop Team Epic, because I do want to do more research into it, I am doing it instead on the type of manga style that Pop Team Epic is done in, which is the Yon Coma, or like literally just the number four coma. Which is the four-panel, like, usually very funny gag comic strips that are, like, very short manga. Yeah. Uh, I took you on a journey. (laughs) But that was literally my night last night. I could not figure out what I wanted to record today. Yeah, when you started, I was like, before we started, I was like, okay, this is probably going to be the JoJo episode because Madison hasn't told me anything. And then you kept talking and I was like, okay, so it's about the author of Fulmal Alchemist? No, okay, it's about... We have the house husband? Nope. No? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I do want to watch the... I still need to watch the live action series. And then the movie's yeah. coming out. And the cast from the live action series is also the same in the movie. Which is awesome. Hmm. So, four panel comic strip. Yeah. Yon coma. Yon is four in Japanese. So that's why the abbreviation is just the number four and then coma which I assume translates to comic. Um, 
Well, Google Translate is telling me that it means top, and I don't feel like that's right. It might be. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no. Uh, the I th- a frame scene of a film panel in a comic. So that makes more mm-hmm. sense than like the automatic Google Translate of it being like spinning top. Like, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, many Yonkoma are gag versions of full-sized manga. Or there are a couple that are based on video games. And then some manga are made entirely out of just the four-panel comics instead of like a... Like a consistent long-term story, it's just page after page after page of these self-contained little gag comics, mm-hmm. um, which is like not too much of a strange concept because that's essentially what like Saturday and Sunday like cartoons in newspapers in America do. Mm-hmm. Like maybe not necessarily always for panels, but like to put it in perspective, that's not too much of a weird thing. We have that in the West, so. God, I forgot to do my sources, too. It's the usual suspects. It's Wikipedia. It's TV tropes. It's surprisingly know your meme. That'll be a surprise tool to help us later. <laughs> um, so conversely, when compared to, like, the manga that are made out of entirely the four-panel comic strips, sometimes mm-hmm. anime adaptations of Yonkama, comma, Yonkoma, why did I spell it wrong? Jesus Christ do a one-for-one adaptation where they just do the sketch the sketch comedy format and it's like very short very rapid fire they don't add anything and then mm-hmm. some adaptations will create extra content to draw it out and fill out like whole episode time slots a lot of manga have yonkoma as omake which just means like bonus material extra content sort of thing at the end of chapters or at the end of compiled volumes. Usually these are used to tell additional gags or funny jokes based on either the chapter or like whatever content is included in the volume itself and just provide some extra entertainment value. Like I know Filmmodel Alchemist is well known for having basically an omake, like several omake every every volume mm-hmm. which is where i i most know that concept from um i mean like it's not it's not unique like a lot of manga could do it but that's definitely the one that i know personally that that is a consistent thing that you that you see in in full metal alchemist yeah i think death note might have had one i think they had like a handful spread out throughout the entire like 12 volumes yeah maybe there were a couple in like how to read number 13 that were just like compiled but i don't remember a whole lot of them just because it's so fucking serious (laughs) because i remember one that was like christmas themed and it was like i think it was either yuke or light dressed as santa oh (laughs) it was like my god it was four panels uh i think it involved apples or something it was very like both in character and kind of silly because like death note was so serious like 99% of the time yeah, yeah be, oh like, my god yeah yeah, like yeah, yeah 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 there are a handful i think they only had like one like at the end of every volume mm-hmm. if that yeah yeah it's it's light 
it's light as fucking Santa. <laughs> Holy shit. Most were published separately in issues of Aku Maru Jump and then were reprinted together in in as a collection in Death Note How to Read. Okay. Which was which was the 13th one, yeah. Mm-hmm. God, I had forgotten about those. I didn't even put them on my list, but that's very good. So I have this broken down, like I always do, into sections for like easily digestible information and it's just the, the bullet points are easy to read and look at if you have them organized into sections when your script is long and this one's not even that long. I think it's like, well, I stand corrected. It's six pages. That's a lot. There's not, a, there's not, a, there's not even that much information. You say that now, but we're 20 minutes in and we've barely started, so... Okay, to be fair, I did ramble a lot, so... <laughs> getting into it. Um, So, the first Yonkoma was published in 1902. Uh, oh, damn. Yeah. So, the concept is old. <laughs> like, very, very, very old. Mm-hmm. And it was published by Rakuten Kitazawa, which is the pen name of... Yasuji Kitazawa. So I'll be referring, I mean, I'll be referring to him as Kitazawa regardless, but he worked under a pen name for most of his life. He was alive from 1876 to 1955. He's sort of considered like the act from what I could tell. Everyone is like, oh, Osama Tezuka is like the father of manga. This guy's like the grandfather of manga. Like, the founding Mm -hmm. father-grandfather of manga. He drew editorial cartoons and comic strips, like, back before they were even called manga. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's how early this was. From the late uh, Meiji era, around the years of, like, 1902, when he published, like, when he produced the first Yonkama is typically when people count it in the Mm -hmm. the Meiji area. Area? Jesus Christ, era. And he continued working through the early Showa era and kind of retired around 1932. So he, like, consistently published stuff and was working from, like, 1902 to 1932, about 30 years. Dang. Mm-hmm. And by many historians and, you know, people who now we consider, like, foundation creators of manga and anime who like got their start in the 60s like they all are in agreement that he was the founding father of modern manga because his work was one of the biggest if not the biggest inspiration for a lot of younger manga artists and animators at the time Mm -hmm. he was actually the first professional cartoonist in japan and the first to use the term manga in its modern sense so, like, yeah, he really is, like, the founding head of house grandfather of our current concept of what, like, Japanese comics manga are today. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. I, I do want to do an episode on, on this guy specifically now that I've, like, learned about him because he sounds f- absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people probably don't know that history outside of Japan, really. Mm-hmm. So, where he was publishing... Uh, like getting the the comics he was working on the Yonkama produced was called Gigi Manga, which was the comics page that appeared in the Sunday 
edition of the daily newspaper, a daily newspaper, um, Gigi Shinpo or Shinpo. The internet can't decide if it's an N or an M, so I have both written down. It should be N, I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the kanji that's actually, like, is Shin and it's Shinpo and not Shinpo, but, like... Yeah. I fucking... Listen, there was only so much, like, cross-translation that my brain could take before I was like, <laughs> let's write both down and say both, because I already am aware and have apologized for, like, being really bad at pronunciation anyway. <laughs> but Gigi Shinpo was... A daily newspaper founded by Yukichi Fukuzawa and his section, the Gigi Manga section, was thought to have been heavily influenced by the works of Frank Arthur Nankivale, Nankivale, perhaps, and Frederick Burr Opper. And you're like, oh, who the hell are these Western names that are influencing this very illustrious mangaka? I also didn't know anything about these fucking dudes, but they're apparently, like, very influential and successful book illustrators slash pioneers of the American version of what was happening in Japan at the same time with comic strips and, like, editorial illustrations. And these were just okay. the guys that were doing it here instead of in Japan. Mm -hmm. But Frank Arthur... Well, no, not too veil. I was going to look it up, and then I realized I don't care that much i don't think he cares either because he's very much long dead frank was a book illustrator in the new york circles of the 1910s and 1920s especially on publications such as puck which was apparently america's first successful humor magazine hmm. so i was confused by the term humor magazine because that's like that's just a weird phrase right but basically, the current, like, modern-day equivalent would be, like, college humor or cracked or mad mm. if you want to get actual, like, physical magazines, like, cracked. The funny jokes in The New Yorker, but the current modern translation of what a humor magazine is is more of, like, funny news websites, like, well, I can't say Cracked is funny anymore. I haven't kept up with Cracked since the last time they laid off a bunch of fucking people. But, <laughs> like, Reductress, even. Like, I'm pretty sure you could count Satire in there, too. Mm -hmm. But definitely, like, Cracked, College Humor, the... What the fuck are some of these names? Uh, I mean, I guess Mad is still going? and I, did, I thought it ended. There's a lot. You like the funny website? Technically counts as a humor magazine in these modern times. <laughs> Which is cool. I like it. It's interesting that the format has changed and adapted with modern times, but like it ex still exists as like a successor to itself. Like that's cool. Like it didn't die out. It just, it legitimately like adapted with the times, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Frederick Burr Opper, the other guy, he's regarded as like, one of the pioneers of American newspaper comic strips. He's best known for his comic strip, Happy Hooligan, which debuted in March 1900. It's old. <laughs> it's old shit. Dang. Yeah. 
Frederick's comic characters were featured in magazine gag cartoons, covers of magazines and, and like newspapers and stuff, and also political cartoons and just straight up comic strips for apparently like six decades. So 60 years, his comic characters were featured in all sorts of different printed media, which is wild. I can't believe he used to be able to actually make money doing stuff like that. I mean, yeah, like these guys, that was their whole career was just drawing for newspapers and magazines. And they were successful enough to make it their entire career. Wow, wonder what that feels like. It's like whenever I see people like Hunter S. Thompson, who made their entire careers out of writing like long form pieces for Playboy or something, and they mm-hmm. could write a piece and be paid like thousands of dollars. Yeah. What's that like? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway. Although to be fair, Hunter <laughs> I don't know if like Mr. Thompson is the best example. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> but like, like he was definitely successful enough to like be absolutely fucking unhinged and still be able to live comfortably so you know mm-hmm. i guess that's fine but it used to be like i don't know like when i see freelance writers of his caliber now it's like pennies on the word yeah <laughs> like no one's yeah. getting a stipend to go like hang out with the hell's angels for six months yeah fuck dude <laughs> could you imagine damn wild if that was still a thing you could do and get paid we get so much good writing but we don't give a shit anymore apparently or at least the companies who could pay that don't give a shit anymore oh and they haven't for decades absolutely not and they're like um how come the media sucks so bad now like are you paying people to do it i wonder whose fucking fault that is hmm hmm but yeah so his his so frederick's (laughs) cartoons and like comic strips had very much lasting power. They were, his comic characters were again featured in various media for 60 years. And Frank also didn't slide into oblivion. Like he still has, I'm pretty sure he still has work in museums on, like on display. Dang. Yeah. So basically anyone who was doing the same thing in this time period were all very big influences on each other, which is, Genuinely really interesting because, again, when you think about the time period, like, 1900 flat, (laughs) and this Japanese man is very much like, oh, yeah, these two Westerners have been, like, really huge influences on me and my work. Like, that's genuinely fascinating. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's on record, too. So, like, it's not like he was hiding his influences. Like, there is record of, of him being like, yeah, no, these... These two Westerners are okay, but the rest of you are on thin fucking ice, (laughs) I guess. But because he did work constantly for like the 30 years that he was he was doing stuff in comics, a lot, if not most of his top tier, most recognizable popular comic strips were published in GG Manga. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I meant to do this earlier, but I need to look up the specific kanji that they're using for GG because... Like, Gigi is slang for old man. So I'm like, what do you... <laughs> like, what is that... M- in this connotation, what does it mean? Is it Old Man Magazine? 
I don't know because okay well there's apparently a ghost called a kanaki gigi which is a yure in Japanese folklore with the shape of a small old man having a baby's cry I don't think that's oh, what God. this magazine is referring to <laughs> um oh okay I guess the specific con like some of the specific kanji that can be pronounced as gigi have to do with like business okay or faith trust like having fidelity in a business an association of office a company so in this connotation it is not the slang for grandpa or old man it 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 has to do with actually being like a newspaper so like current events a literal newspaper document business sidebar but like learning Japanese specifically for research purposes like this for the podcast I like I have a 50 plus day streak on Duolingo now in Japanese oh, damn. um yeah no I've been keeping up with it I paid for plus so I fucking better get my money's worth <laughs> <laughs> but there's a website called Show, which has you can search up English you can search words in English Japanese romaji like or oh, yeah. like kanji hiragana katakana so like it's just been really interesting to see how it all works and functions and it's also really easy to get lost in the minutia of what con like why kanji can be pronounced 800 different ways (laughs) yeah like one kanji can have like three different pronunciations based on like the original chinese the japanese version and then if you put two different kanji together, it makes a whole new different sound. And I don't know how to fucking keep track. Yeah. Uh, kanji, my <laughs> genuinely detested, unless you're playing around with word puns and homophones. <laughs> but like, otherwise, fuck. Um, like, it's fascinating. But trying to memorize all of those is like, oh, God, I can't. Yeah, no, I literally my brain is like, um, okay, cool. I will not know or remember any of these, but I'm doing an okay job on the hiragana and katakana so far, I will Mm -hmm. say. But going back to Kitazawa's, some of his most popular and well-known comic strips published in Gigi Manga during his time uh, doing that was Tagosaku and Mokube's Sightseeing in Tokyo. Uh, which was the one that was came out first in 1902. It was apparently the story of two country bumpkins on a sightseeing trip to Tokyo. Knowing nothing about modern culture, they behave very foolishly. For example, by separately eating lumps of sugar with coffee instead of stirring sugar in coffee, which seems like a very strange example because I feel like that's not a modern thing. But Well, I could... So this is 1902. Refined sugar is still kind of new. But Um, mixing substances into a liquid (laughs) to change the taste of the liquid. I don't feel like that's a new concept. Yeah. This feels like like just a a dash of classism, perhaps. Perhaps. You know, a smattering of classism against the poor and uneducated. Mm -hmm. There's also the failures of Kidoro Haikara 
which was also started in 1902. It's the story of a young man who boasts his imperfect knowledge of the West, but ends up embarrassing himself. His name can <laughs> his name can be read as Mr. Euro- European style affected man. Okay. He's a weeaboo, but for a, the West. Oh, so like a teaboo. Yeah, like a teaboo. That's very <laughs> funny. God. Absolutely obsessed with this concept of an, an angelophile in 1902 and just getting Tia dunked boo. on. It's it's very funny to me. <laughs> Next one, which doesn't have a date attached that I could find, but just assume it's it is between 1902 and whenever he retired. <laughs> and this one is called Chame and Dekobo, which was stories about two mischievous young boys. It was supposed to be like the counterparts of the equivalent American comic of the Cats and and Jammer Kids. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. I feel like I would have to be at least 40 years older than I currently am to know who those are. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I was into weird old shit growing up so like my brain is just like yeah no that sounds familiar (laughs) um yeah it was an american comic strip about two young preteen boys getting into trouble it's from like the very late 1800s until wait is it still going (laughs) okay the cats and jammer kids launched in december of 1897 and ended on January 1st, 2006. Oh my god. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, so that's 109 years. Jesus Christ. It, of course, had several different authors. Um, yeah. I don't think any of them were immortal. I thought we know of. <laughs> immortal undead who were working on this comic. But it did run for like 100 years. Oh my god. Um, yeah, the... The characters, the two boys of Chame and Dekobo, appeared as dolls and on playing cards in one of the first examples of, like, tied-in character merchandising for, like, a media property in Japan. Hmm. So this dude is just setting, he's just trailblazing everything that we think of as, like, industry standard today. Mm-hmm. Which is wild. This next one on my list is Nukesaku... This Nukasaku, T E I N O, Tieno? No, Tieno. I guess the the E and the I are like tripping me up for some reason together. Mm. But it was started in 1915, and it's the story of a wooden-headed man. Okay. Nukasaku, Nukasaku, whose name can be read as Mister Foolish Woodenhead, and that's why Google Translate is giving me the translation of wooden head instead of helping me pronounce shit even vaguely (laughs) um he's apparently a very popular character during the taisho era in japan i think that one was maybe more like funny jokes of like cautionary tales for this i want to say possessed doll because that's the Uh vibe i'm getting (laughs) scary i'm not sure i like mr uh mr nukisaku yeah literally just looking up the name like gives me absolutely nothing on on fucking google 
It actually gives me a character from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, yeah, I just looked it up and <laughs> it's like, oh, did you mean JoJo? Yeah, the most minor antagonist featured in, like, an episode in Stardust Crusaders. <laughs> Not even the trivia page has, like, any references to, like, the name being similar or whatever. Okay, anyway. Fucking, I guess we'll never know because the internet is not helping me. (laughs) But the last one that I have is, looks like was his last one, considering he seemed to have stopped working in right around before World War II really kicked off in in the 30s. Mm -hmm. And this one came out in, well, it started in 1928 and it was Miss Hanako... Tonda, and it was the story of a tomboyish girl whose name can be read as Hopping Jumping Girl. I guess she was just very active, really liked sports, maybe. But Haniko was the first girl protagonist in manga and influenced early shoujo manga like Machiko Hasegawa's Nakayoshi Techo? Techo, I think. Which... I did not look up. I guess maybe we'll eventually do do an episode about that. Yeah, it's probably in that lost um, episode we did about genres. Shoujo Club? Huh? Which... <laughs> I, that's just what it's called. Shoujo Club was, I guess, the magazine that published it. Oh, okay. Because it had... Yeah, because it published Tezuka's Princess Night, which I talked about in the Magical Girl episode, I think. Mm, Okay. So yeah, it was the first magazine that had, like, shoujo and stuff. And that was sort of, like, his last notable thing. So really trailblazed basically everything (laughs) that is standard industry today, which is wild. Hyan Koma appear in almost... All types of publications in Japan, including manga, manga magazines, graphic novel-style comics, the comic section in newspapers, game magazines, cooking magazines. Literally, if it's printed media or even because people have started doing webcomics and stuff too at this point, if it's visual media, a, a yonkama has probably been printed in it in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So the structure and format, we've moved out of the history. We're going to structure and format. So not only are Ion, are Ion Coma like a very specific panel style of those equally spaced and, and uniformly shaped four panels reading downwards, they follow a narrative structure known as Kishonen Ketsu. Mm-hmm. which is a literally just a compound word formed from the kanji characters representing what should happen in each panel. So the first one, key, is the first panel. It sets up the rest of the story. Show is the second panel. It develops and like builds up to the punchline of whatever the climax of this is going to be. Ten is the third panel. It's the climax, usually when an unforeseen development occurs. And Ketsu is the fourth panel in the conclusion in which 
the effects of the third panel are usually seen in their full effect. Mm -hmm. Very basic. That's just storytelling. But it is a very specific style. And although Kishonen Ketsu is Japanese, the Japanese term for this style of narrative structure, it actually, the way that the narrative structure is constructed uh, actually originated in China. Mm -hmm. And I am so sorry (laughs) to anyone who even speaks or understands any Chinese at all. Like, I don't even know. I'm pretty sure this is Mandarin. When done in China, it's called Shi Cheng Shuhong He. Hopefully that was comprehensible in any way. I I tried to find pronunciations and it just, the internet was not giving me anything. And I tried. I looked up each word separately. Yeah, the thing about Chinese, because I looked it up once because I took an Asian cinemas class and the professor didn't bother to try and pronounce anything correctly. Um, no. <laughs> but God, uh... it's difficult because there are sounds that don't, really exist in english so when you try Mm -hmm. to romanize those sounds you end up with like it's why we have names with like or chinese words with xi or qi it's like an attempt to replicate that sound in roman letters yeah that's why it's hard to understand how to pronounce it unless you i assume it's easier if you actually study it but if you try to look up a pronunciation it's just kind of like you're kind of getting a bastardized version of the word. So. Yeah. God. And I asked to take Mandarin in high school too, and they put me in French class, and I had an awful what? time. Yeah, my high school had Mandarin. Why'd they put you in which French? Which would have been. Because they fucked up. I specifically asked to be put in Mandarin at orientation, and then they were like, well, sorry. <laughs> and then I failed. I failed French <laughs> twice. Yikes. And had an awful time. That sounds like French class. Yeah, it was awful. Oh, man. So I'm not going to pronounce it again and make a bigger fool of myself, but it is the same narrative structure when, as it originated in China and how it's used in China, China is in specific types of Chinese poetry as like a four-line composition, such as the qi, che, qi, che, hopefully, qi, J-U-E. Honestly, it's just, you just gotta say it with a little more confidence than you actually feel, and it just sounds more correct than it actually is, which is why I was bad at French, because, like, you need to be kind of obnoxious with French to get it across properly, and I didn't like doing that, so. The entire French language is (laughs) fucking detested. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I also had, like, a super big fear of, like, speaking publicly in front of the class in in high school, and so, like, Having to take a class where 90% of the grade was going up and talking for extended periods of time in front of the rest of the class, like, yeah, ew. I, I was just fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so when it's used in Chinese poetry, it retains, like, it's still set up in four lines. It's just poetry instead of a funny little comic. Um, and it also got transplanted to Korea before eventually making its way to japan but so china korea and japan all have this very similar narrative structure where it's got part one the setup part two the rising action 
part three, the climax, and part four, the conclusion. Mm-hmm. For an example, here's how it could be like applied in like the telling of a like folk tale or fairy tale. So the first part, you introduce the characters, the era, other important important information that the reader would need to understand the story. Pretty obvious. Development. You follow through with the story, but nothing major really happens. It's it's all about the rising action and the rising tension. Number three, the story turns towards some unexpected development. In the case of a longer format, like a extended fairy tale, this big twist, unexpected development would be like the biggest one out of all of them. Mm -hmm. And then the conclusion wraps up the story. So if you take like fucking Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, introduces all the characters, you got the evil queen, you got Snow White, she wants to kill her. Snow White has a bad time, <laughs> a very extended bad time, getting chased through the woods, getting almost getting murdered, finding house with a bunch of tiny bearded men, constantly harassed by her evil stepmother, who is also the queen but a witch. And then the big development would be like when she gets poisoned and then has to get smooched to wake up or whatever. And then the conclusion is the happily ever after. It's very basic storytelling, Mm -hmm. but it's just, there's, I think there's just something like as a Westerner and not being able to read, barely being able to parse my way through Hiragana and Katakana and fuck if I know what the hell is going on with Kanji half the time. I feel like there's just like, there's something that makes this, this formatting special, especially in the way of like it being used in like poetry and mm-hmm. stuff that like as a westerner i'm just not getting because to me this is just how storytelling works as a yeah. writer i mean the way it sounds laid out kind of reminds me of like doing comedy because the whole thing with comedy is that you do a setup and it's funny because the answer to the question you're asking is unexpected yeah and that seems kind of similar to how the yonkoma format is where it's like you have the setup and then a twist and the ending is unexpected from the beginning yeah that seems to be that seems to be the idea is that there's always this some sort of expected drama because of the formatting but like whatever the drama actually ends up being should always be an unexpected twist at some point in the storytelling Mm -hmm. a similar concept to this this structure of kishoten ketsu is used in a lot of traditional japanese art forms which is uh the term is johaku johaku q johaku which can be roughly translated as beginning break rapid uh which essentially can be taken to mean that all actions or efforts should begin slowly speed up, and then end swiftly. So this concept is usually applied to elements of things like sado, the, you know, traditional Japanese tea ceremonies, the samurai sword art of kenjutsu, the other sword art of kendo, various other martial arts, 
but also to things like the dramatic structure of traditional Japanese theater, both Kabuki, Joruri, and and No. Like, all three of them, they mm-hmm. all definitely very much follow this dramatic structure of the start slow, we speed up, and then, like, hard, fast stop. Very dramatic, very fast-paced, very, very intense but the Johaku version is mostly, if not primarily, contained to traditional, historical, long-lived art art forms like the tea ceremony and, and these very old ways of doing martial arts. And ingrained in the culture, even. It's just, it's it's super interesting to see all of these, like, little threads and links that just make up how a culture is shaped. Mm-hmm. especially when it comes to art forms yeah like it's just cool it's just cool i think it's fascinating how stuff like this evolves over time but this is definitely like a very short episode that we've had in a while because that's it that's it for the structure and format and like the actual like deep diving into what yon coma slash four coma manga is Right now, I'm just going to go over a couple of... I'm not going to say any of them... Well, I'm not going to say any of them are good. <laughs> um, I'm, That's for you to decide, <laughs> beloved listeners. I can't decide that for you. I've maybe seen, like, one or two of these on my list. Maybe I know some of them, and I can pass value judgment as I do best. You probably very much do. <laughs> um, but these are some well-known Yonkoma manga that are actually in the west more well known as for their anime adaptations and so people might not know that they actually start off as this very specific style of comics in mm-hmm. japan like for instance we have lucky star by kagami yoshimitsu mm-hmm. mizu if you were an anime kid in the oh god if you were a weeb in 2006 you knew what Lucky Star was. You probably knew how to do the opening theme dance at some point. God, I don't know how I missed Lucky Star. Like, I never watched it. I think I might have seen GIFs because... Oh, I recognize those bitches on site. I have (laughs) never seen an episode of Lucky Star. Yeah. They're very recognizable. I think I remember the most from... There was, like, this meme that went around, at least on DeviantArt, probably the rest of the internet, where it was, like the Lucky Star girls doing that caramel dancing dance and then people would make yeah. like versions that you could like template versions that you could make into your favorite characters. So there's obviously ones of like L from Death Note and um, Naruto and Sasuke. Oh god. And Gara. Oh god. Yeah. So here's the thing that a lot of people on the internet who are terminally online, <laughs> especially if you're on Tumblr, and you were not a, like a burgeoning getting your weeb vibes started and amassed in middle school like we were when lucky star was like at the height of popularity in like 2006 2008 in the west from what i remember i had friends who were super into it i literally only ever learned the dance because i was an anime club and they wanted (laughs) to do it and that's that's how you're supposed to learn the dance Exactly. That's also how I know the the melancholy of haru he won too and it's just in my brain (laughs) Those are the TikTok dances before TikTok. Yeah. Get with the program, youths. Um, so, like, 
I'm able to recognize like the style of Lucky Star, like on site. Again, never watched it, but I mostly remember now because of being terminally online is every Thursday. Out of touch Thursday. Tumblr, every Thursday. There's a video that likes to go around, which is the dance from like the opening of Lucky Star set to uh, Out of Touch, the well-known and beloved 80s song Out of Touch. And it's called Out of Touch Thursday. And I see it every Thursday and have for like at least three years. I love just this trend of Tumblr of just picking a random day and flat fuck Friday. Yeah. Out of touch Thursday. There's um, someone made a joke post that was like, y'all really like your days and random things together. Like, watch it. Next one will be Sweet Fat of the Hog Tuesday. And now it's a thing. It's Sweet Fat of the Hog Tuesday. Sweet Fat of the Hog Tuesday. Get with the fucking program. <laughs> There's also another one for Tuesday, which I think is Stigmata Tuesday, which uh, has hmm. a lot of notes, which is probably people who get the joke reblogging it. But I don't think there are like 16,000 people who know what Unholyverse is. Because the person who posted it, their username is Unholyverse. So I know it's an MCR fucker. Oh my god. Yeah. So basically, any <laughs> of the other days except for Thursday, Friday, and Wednesday can be whatever you want. I see constant new variations all the time. Mm-hmm. But Wednesday is always, it's Wednesday, my dudes. Mm-hmm. It has been Wednesday, my dude, since that vine came out. <laughs> Thursday, out of touch Thursday. The video can change. doesn't always have to be the lucky star rolls. It <laughs> usually is, though. And Friday is primarily, from what I've seen, at least on my dashboard consistently, is usually flat fuck Friday, which is about alligators and crocodiles. I've seen... I know it's just specific to this random person I follow who, for some reason, is very into Al Pacino and um, what? <laughs> has, like, Al Pacino Saturdays. Oh, okay. That's hyper-specific. Oh, yes. I don't think that's going to catch on. Probably just with this one person and their, like, ten mutuals, but that will just show up randomly. That's how I know that Al Pacino's full name is Alfredo James Pacino. You didn't know that? No! <laughs> very good oh my god christ um but so lucky star uh has been serialized in kadokawa shoten's Comtique magazine since december of 2003 is it still running as far as i could tell yeah oh damn there's not an end date anywhere oh on the wikipedia page uh, it has no ongoing plot, and it typically focuses on just the daily lives lives of the characters, which are four girls attending a Japanese high school. The setting is mainly based on the city of Kasukabe in the Saitama prefecture. The main character is Konata Izumi. The, that's the bitch with the blue hair, <laughs> right? Yeah, the short bitch with the blue hair. Uh, she's apparently lazy and constantly slacks off on homework to watch anime, play video games, and read manga. There are a lot of early, mid-2000s anime references from what I remember. I know there's, like, a Miku cameo and, like, a very subtle, like, Full Metal Alchemist, like, co like 
character cameo. Oh, so very dated references. Yeah. They're dated now. I can feel my skin, like, (laughs) sloughing off of me as you say that. And I'm just, I'm going to be a skeleton soon. Gotta get ready for the skeleton war. Make sure you're drinking your milk. I'm still trying to come to terms with the fact that when people say 20 years ago, they don't mean 1990. Because I had just adjusted to 1990 being 20 years ago. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> like, when they say 20 years oh, ago, I they mean 2002. That. Yeah, because my, my little bro's 18, so it's definitely not... <laughs> it's fucked up. Oh, I hate the... <laughs> unforgiving passage of time jesus christ um the next probably most well known if not like very much one of the biggest ones like even i know of it and i've never actually like sat down and read it i've definitely seen a lot of it out of context probably most of it out of context and a lot of people if you're on the internet you've probably seen a lot of it out of context too and it's Azumanga Daio from Kiyohiko Azuma, which was serialized from February 1999 to May 2002 uh, in the monthly magazine Dengeki Daio by MediaWorks. And this is definitely like one of the most like well-known Yonkama that I can, Yonkoma that I can think of. Because if you're just on the internet, you've probably seen panels of Azumanga like out of context completely Mm -hmm. the only person I have met who has actually at least watched the anime is Zach and he will occasionally just tell me random things about it Uh like the character they call Osaka because she's from Osaka I think in she's the, from Osaka. Yeah, I think in the anime they give her a like in the dub accent. Yeah, because she has an Osaka accent in the original, but like we don't have yeah. an Osaka accent in English. So yeah, no, like there's. So again, I've never like actively sat down and read it or watched it, but like I know the joke of the girl from Osaka, like either having like the way her font is written in the manga like fucked up or like they actually give her an accent in the anime adaptation to really drive it home that she's from osaka Mm -hmm. i've actually read some of kiyohiko's other stuff did he do yasumi punpun or am i thinking of someone else oh no yotsuba no you you are very much thinking of someone else (laughs) punpun is fucked up yeah no, he did Yotsuba, yeah. which I do remember reading as it was, like, coming out in America. And it's very cute, and it's the same art style, so... And the same sort of humor, even though Yotsuba is not a Yonkoma, mm-hmm. but, like, he definitely still keeps that, um... The same pacing for, like, comedy, even though it's a longer format. And he's just really good at it. I Like, I think there's been, like quotes from other mangaka and like reviewers and stuff being like yeah no he's like genuine like his writing is genuinely funny he just has a really good grasp on that kind of storytelling and structure mm-hmm. i have so much respect for people who can do comedy consistently because it's so fucking difficult to be consistently funny yeah like actually putting on a performance with the intent of like being performative and funny mm-hmm. For an extended period of time, as opposed to what we do, which is make <laughs> semi-witty, but mostly unhinged commentary. <laughs> like, we're funny, 
But it's not, like, intentional in the way that comedians are. Yeah. Like, it is a different set of skills. It's, like, a muscle you have to train to... And just, like, a little sprinkle of natural talent on top of that. Yeah. Which this guy has. Mm -hmm. But Azumanga Dayo is, again, about schoolgirls. A lot of Yonkoma seem to be about, like, middle school, high school aged kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I know that the break, the grade breakdown is a little different in Japan, but like solid, like in dead center of the age range, like teenagers in school. Yeah. It's an unnamed high school, but the main characters are Chiyo Mihama, who is a child prodigy, and her personal struggle to fit in with girls who are five years older than her, reserved sakaki and her obsession with cute animals while certain ones seem to hate her i'm pretty sure that's the one from the like the very famous out of context panel where she goes to pet a cat and then the cat like bites through her fucking hand oh yeah (laughs) yeah uh spacey ayumu osaka in quotation marks her nickname is just like haha you're a fucking country bumpkin your nickname's osaka that's fucked up um kasuga who apparently has a skewed perspective on the world i don't know what that means kiyomi quote unquote yomi mizuhara and her aggravation at an annoying best friend tomo takino whose energy is only rivaled by her lack of sense that's a very good description <laughs> love that sporty kagura and her one-sided athletics rivalry with sakaki and their homeroom teacher yukari Tanizaki and her friend, physical education homeroom teacher, Minamo Kurosawa. There's a lot of names. That has a. The, 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 Azumanga definitely has a bigger main cast than Lucky Star. Mm-hmm. Lucky Star has like four, and Azumanga has six kids and two teachers. That's. So that's. That's a lot, especially since like every comic is only four, four panels. panels. Four panel comics, eight technically main characters. God. Or at least consistent enough revolving door of reoccurring characters. That's still a lot. It's still four panels every time. Mm-hmm. Next one on my list is also one that I, like, I've seen, I've definitely seen advertisements and, like, merch for, but I don't know anything about it. It's K-On by Cocky Fly. I don't know anything about K-On, There dude. are some very enthusiastic fans of K-On. My first interaction with it was, I think it was like my first time going to American Anime Club and they were in the middle of watching K-On and I Uh didn't understand it. I think it was back when you could still watch shit on Hulu for free. Yeah, (laughs) probably. It's a story about a bunch of girls who start an after-school band. Yeah. And I didn't really get it. And... (laughs) I've tried to rewatch it and it's just not really my thing, but it is very fun. Yeah. But I'm glad that you've heard of it because I've definitely like seen it in passing, but like I don't know anything actually about it. I've never actually sat down and watched mm-hmm. it. So K On by Cocky Fly was serialized in Hobunsha's Manga Time Kirara magazine between May 2007 and October 2010. It was also serialized in 
another magazine by the same company. Oh. And in April of 2011, the manga actually relaunched with now two separate storylines. One storyline published in Manga Time Kirara and the other one published in the other magazine by the same company, Manga Time Kirara Carrot. I think it's supposed to be like a like a carrot diamond like gemstone okay vibe well google translate says carrot so <laughs> like the symbol the symbol wait no like the measurement for the unit of mass for i'm oh. pretty sure it's like the unit of mass for gemstones oh okay i thought you meant like not like wait where is it not like this thing that has a name what did you think it was called that's a little pointy uppy arrow <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's called hold on i'm gonna look this up no it's called a carrot but it's spelled with an e yeah carrot carrot spelled the same pronounced like carrot the edible <laughs> vegetable is the unit of measurement for mass for gemstones and like precious minerals I think. <laughs> but I guess that little pointy uppy arrow is also carrot, mm-hmm. but with an E. Yep. Just to feel fancy and special. But yeah, like you were saying, Kaon also takes place in high school about high school aged kids who join the music club of the all girls private high school that they go to to save the club from being disbanded. However, they are the only members of the club. Half of them, or at least the main character, doesn't have any experience with playing musical instruments or reading sheet music. They eventually get their shit together, I guess. I, that is my knowledge of K-On. No, that's a pretty accurate summary. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, again, I'm, I've definitely seen advertised for it but i it has absolutely never caught my interest yeah as far as i know kaon is famous for i think popularizing the concept of moe which is really yeah which is like this uh very cutesy style usually associated with like the cute schoolgirl type but this is kind of like where the first big boy fandom started. As far as I can remember from what I've looked up, I could be totally wrong, but that's what I know of Kaon. Yeah, it's literally just like cute Japanese, cute girl coded characters in anime and manga. Yeah. Like, I want to do an episode on, um, maybe it could be like an ongoing series of different terms, I guess, because you have stuff like Bishonen. Moe. We could get into like the different terms in Yaoi. Yeah. But redo essentially the last <sighs> episode. I do want to But redo just actually it. about the term. Yeah. What was wrong with it? I just sounded very tired. And oh. I <laughs> I think I had I was tired. I think I had like a glass of wine. I mostly just wanted to bitch about something stupid that happened in the MCR fandom. I can't remember if uh-huh. the episode was even, like, 30 minutes long once I cut out all the, like, 
asides and tangents and me just like bitching randomly so oh man i mean nothing's changed though (laughs) except that we usually don't sound super tired yeah i think if i had just sat down and edited it it would have been fine but i didn't want to risk editing the whole thing finding out it kind of sucked and then having to like scramble to edit the next episode so yeah that's okay so we can we can redo it and then make it a part of a series just defining various various lingo and terms that are second nature to us but like for certain people who are listening they may not be super familiar with the more niche terms of specific things or why or like yeah, moe means this specific cute type of, like, anime girl, but, like, how did people come up with that word as the slang for that kind of character sort of mm-hmm. thing? Because that's also fascinating, I think. Yeah. But yes, you were correct about Kaon being one of the, like, big pushes of moe characters. Apparently, John Oplieger from Anime Nation traced the first decade of the 2000s as the time when moe became increasingly popular and recognized examples used by opling op leaguer include the series kaon lucky star and moe tan which i have not heard of but i'll you know i don't know enough to to argue <laughs> but yes that's kaon going back into a little bit more of a head heavy hitter in terms of the yonkoma genre which is sazae san by machiko hasegawa which was first published in hasegawa's local paper on april 2nd 1946 when a different publication wanted her to have the comic for their paper instead she Moved to Tokyo in 1949 and also in the universe of the comic, moved her characters from Kyushu to Tokyo as well in the comic, Mm. which is funny and charming in a very strange way that I can't exactly put my finger on. Mm -hmm. But like, that's just cool that she was just like, well, I'm moving so they can move too. And that's fine. The first strip that was in this new publication, Asahi Shimbun? 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 Shimbun, yeah. Asahi Shimbun was published on November 30th, 1949. So the manga itself dealt with sort of, again, most Yonkoma manga deals with very average everyday life and situations that just will go wrong in a funny and unexpected way. And Saze-san did the same thing. It dealt with everyday life and contemporary situations in Tokyo until Hasegawa retired and ended the series with the final comic being published in February of 1974. So that is about 28 years of doing this one comic. Mm. But it, of course, has a a much longer-lived lifespan in that. Isn't this the, the one that is the longest-running anime in Japan, too? Yeah. The anime's been running since 1969. Has It's the longest-running anime in Japan by a few thousand. Mm-hmm. The episodes are usually shorter than, like, your typical 25-minute episode. 
anime, but yeah, yeah. there are at least like 2,500 episodes that have aired since 1969. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure, I mean, this info is older, but I'm pretty sure that it's it still holds the Guinness World Record for the longest running animated television mm-hmm. series. And actually, on May of 2020, it was announced that the anime would be put on hiatus for the first time since 1975 because of the pandemic. Whoa. Yeah. So let me pull back out my handy dandy internet calculator because I'm not going to do quick math. So the break two years ago now in 2020 was the first time that there was any sort of break in the creation of this animated show in 45 years oh my god yeah wild and in june of of the same year in 2020 it was announced that the anime would resume by the end of the month so as far as i'm aware they have not had another hiatus and are still going strong Damn. yeah so some of the setup for this comic and also anime can't speak for any of the modern stuff because again the original run only went until the author retired in 1974 but in the beginning our main character was more interested in hanging out with her horse and being sort of rough and tumble than dressing up in a kimono and makeup to attract her future husband hasegawa was forward thinking in that in her words the main character's family, the Isono slash Fuguta clan, would embody the more modern Japanese family post-World War II. So she's very much like ahead of her mm-hmm. time in writing this also. Sazaya was apparently a very liberated woman. One of the earlier plot lines revolved around her bossing around her husband to the consternation of her neighbors who believed that a man should be the head of the household. Mm. Later, she became a feminist and was involved in many comical situations regarding her affiliation with her local women's liberation liberation movement group. That's pretty impressive for a show that's like, or a manga that is that popular. Yeah, literally 19... 19- 46 was when it was first published. So, like, looking back on it from a modern historical and Western perspective, you're like, oh, yeah, this should just be, like, this should just be standard. But, like, taking the historical context into consideration, like, the fact that this is so popular and still running and, like, beloved to this day is, like, a big deal, Mm -hmm. I feel. Mm -hmm. Despite the more topical nature of the series, the core of the stories revolved around the large and extended family dynamic and were presented in a lighthearted and easy fashion. In the final comic from 1974, it actually revolved around Sazai's happiness that an egg she cracked for her husband's breakfast produced a little double yolk. And a little remark about the happiness that the little things in life can bring, which I think is super sweet. Like, that's just so, that's just so yeah, nice. That's cute. It's very nice and wholesome. And apparently, like, take this with a grain of salt because this is clearly, like, 
a generalization. But in current modern culture, the very popular Sezai-san anime is frequently viewed with a nostalgic lens as a very, like, outdated yet nostalgic representation of traditional post-World War II Japanese society since it represents a simpler time before many of the changes brought about by the modern technology boom in Japan and around the world, but, like, in Japan. Its social themes, though very liberal at the time of its original publication, are now very much evocative and sort of a relic of a bygone era. I guess it's looked at with, like, that sort of haze of nostalgia over it. Like, for the time, fucking progressive as shit. So it seems like people probably, like, older folks are, like, are, like, about it. It's just, it's like that one childhood, like, show or or movie or property that you grew up with. And you're just like, yeah, no, like, I like it because it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a show in the West that's like that. But nothing's been airing that long, aside from maybe The Simpsons. Yeah, and The Simpsons is... Mm, yeah, not... The Simpsons passed its prime a long time ago, <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely not the same. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the closest thing I could compare it to is the nostalgia that people have for the very kitschy and hokey mass-produced toy tie-in cartoons of the 80s. Mm. Like, that's about the same vibe, where it's like a nostalgic representation of a simpler time. Not that that time was necessarily, like, good, but, like, for whatever reason, you just... That specific piece of media... It's tied into just whatever good times or serotonin producer in your brain that you're just like, yeah, no, this reminds me, like, this is only good vibes. Like, this Mm -hmm. is fine. One day people will be nostalgic about the 2020s. God, I hope not. It will happen. It happens every time. (sighs) This kills me. But now it's going to be like, oh, wow, which 2020s? The Roaring 20s or mm. the fucking Be Plagued 20s? Who knows? It's going to be a toss-up. Yay. I love living through history. No, oh, I love living through multiple <laughs> historical events all at fucking once. It's great. When does it stop? It doesn't. <laughs> We've been in the clown hell timeline for years, homie. We've been in the clown hell bullshit timeline for years i hate it i don't know (sighs) we're almost at the end the next one on my list is uh miss vampire who lives in my neighborhood by amato amato toho yeah amato which has been serialized since august of 2014 in media factories seinen manga magazine comic kune and it's about a human girl named amano araki who is rescued by a vampire whose name is sophie twilight (laughs) (laughs) which like okay cool good vampire name um sure (laughs) and falls in love with her i'm not sure if that's like an actual gay way or like just just gals being pals 
Yeah, like, I'm not sure if it's, like, supposed to actually be a romance or if it's just, like, one-sided infatuation funny friendship sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Because I haven't seen it. But she ends up, like, inviting herself into the vampire's home and begins, like, living with her part-time, like, on and off. Like, she still has her own house, but, like, (laughs) just hangs out and bothers this vampire she's obsessed with now. And though Sophie is a vampire, she never attacks humans. Instead, buying blood and anime merchandise like any other ordinary person. So the only thing I know about this is that there is a JoJo reference. Oh, God. And it's not subtle. For a second, I was like, I've never heard of this. Why is this on this list? Is this super popular and I didn't know about it? Uh, Yeah, so this tiny vampire girl... To show off her strength, picks up a road roller, <laughs> like another famous vampire in anime history, my beloved worstie Dio, <laughs> from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, who picks up a, a road roller and attempts to crush the protagonist under it. But I have to say, it's much funnier in this because it's she's like four foot three and looks <laughs> like a 12-year-old <laughs> and picks up this fucking construction equipment. I just watched the clip and it's very funny because Sophie picks up this like giant steamroller and then what's her face? Amano. Yeah. And then Amano runs away and Sophie's like, oh, I scared her. And then Amano returns and is like, these are all the jars I couldn't open. Could you open these? Yeah. It's very funny. <laughs> like that's, that made me have a little hearty chuckle enough that I may actually check it out because that's very funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like genuinely, that's very funny. But okay. So I got, got a handful more. We're going to do two quick ones, two longer ones, and then we're done. Apparently, Castlevania, the video game, not the animated show, but the video game series, has a whole bunch of Yonkoma for some of the newer games. And by newer, we're talking like 19, like the DS games and then like a re-released game from 1993, Mm -hmm. which were very irreverent and silly. And apparently Dracula goes grocery shopping. And he's a very lonely single father. Uh, So he does absolutely keep porno magazines around his castle, apparently. Oh. Wait, what's this called? Yeah. I didn't get a name, but apparently the only Yonkoma for Castlevania that are officially translated are tie-ins to... Castlevania Order of Ecclesia, which is one of the DS games, and the Dracula X Chronicles, which I think is the one that's the re-release of the older game from the 90s. Wait, so there's a Yonkoma comic where Dracula has a bunch of porno laying around the castle? I guess. (laughs) Listen, it is described as... Apparently, Dracula goes grocery shopping and even keeps dirty magazines. (laughs) And you know what? He's a very sad single dad. I'm not going to hold it against him. (laughs) I do think it's very funny and very dated. I don't know where to find them, though. I don't even know what they're called. Like, all the information I had is that 
there are apparently some tie-ins to these specific games that are officially translated into English. If you find them, send them over because I do kind of want to. I do want to read them. Sounds very stupid. <laughs> um, Full Metal Alchemist, my beloved, by Hiromu Arakawa has a collected edition specifically of all of the four panel comic strips from the manga and also bonus four panel omakes from the anime DVDs of both the original 2003 Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood as well as some rarer strips that were only ever like seen in Japan mm -hmm. like they were singles one-offs in like magazines and stuff and weren't in the actual manga volumes coming out and that collected edition was released in 2019 hmm. so you you can go and buy it if you really like them and I do cool. uh I think <laughs> I think Hiromu is very fucking funny she's one of my legitimately one of my favorite mangakas she's very funny I found out that she was a girl which, like, sounds bad, but, like, being a weeb in the early 2000s who was almost exclusively into shonen because I wasn't, like, the other girls. <laughs> no, you weren't, you fucking idiot, because you weren't a girl. Um, but I found out that she was a lady when she did one of her little omakes with her cow persona self-insert. And she, like, slapped her hands down on an alchemy circle and then out popped a little baby. <laughs> and that was her pregnancy announcement. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay, cool. She's also apparently mentioned several times liking all of her bonus pages more than she likes the actual manga. And that's, I think that's very iconic of her. <laughs> She's, she just seems wonderful. Okay, the last actual legitimate Yonkoma I'm going to talk about is I saved the best for last, and that is Pop Team Epic. Yes. By B. Kub Okawa, alternatively spelled as Bukubu Okawa, which is one of those webcomic slash digital manga series, which started serialization in Takishobo's Manga Life Win website in August of 2014. The manga chronicles the misadventures of two quick-tempered 14-year-old girls named Popuko, who is the short one with blonde hair, and Pipimi, which is the tall one with uh, blue hair. Popoko, Pop-uko, short, blonde hair, Pipimi, tall, blue hair. Just in case I reversed those in my brain. Too many s very similar syllables. They encounter mundane and bizarre situations and respond to them in equally bizarre and exaggerated ways. The manga is f noted for its frequent parodies of pop culture, along with its combination of surrealism, absurdity, non sequitur, all of which have been contributing factors to it developing a near cult following in both Japanese and Western audiences. Because it's fucking good. It's incredible. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of like kind of random unhinged humor that I think works very well in this era of like current humor is like a deep fried image of 
God, what was it? <laughs> like, the other day on Twitter, someone posted, it was like a picture of a goose. Uh-huh. And it was captioned with, let me see if I can find it, because I can't remember. Yeah, here, I'll do you one better. Me and the boys at 3 a.m. looking for boobs. <laughs> um, that's oh, basically it's... the vibes. <laughs> it's a picture of a very chubby goose, and it's captioned Goots. Spelled G-O-O-T-S. Goots. It's very good. Goots. That's Goots. humor. Goots. Oh, God. Goots. <laughs> That's so good. I love him. That's my son now. <laughs> so I think it doesn't make any sense that comedians constantly complain that you can't make jokes anymore when you can simply caption a goose with goots and it gets like 60,000 retweets. You could literally just make up nonsense. Like, once again. <laughs> Goots. Me and the boys at 3 a.m. looking for beans. Which is a horrifying <laughs> image of these, like, shadow people entities that's gone through a fucking crunchy deep fryer <laughs> and is nothing but pixels. <sighs> like, listen. All it takes to be funny is just don't punch down don't even punch <laughs> sideways punch up or engage in dadaism 2.0 <laughs> that's it you don't gotta do more than that but so pop team epic has an animated television series adaptation which aired between january and march of 2018 with two additional episodes airing on april 1st of 2019 but fucking get this because i didn't know this second season set to premiere sometime this year i'm very excited oh yeah i heard about that i did not but i don't keep up with news like that's i just kind of stumble into it yeah you're the knowledgeable one of the co-hosts, and I'm the niche one of the co-hosts, where I go on unhinged rants about deeply niche bullshit, but you know the more broader generalized knowledge, because you actually keep up- you- you actually keep up with shit. Oh, entirely by accident, but- But in comparison. <laughs> and also, fun fact, so the anime was, and is, produced by King Records, and- Animated by my beloved Kamikaze Duga, the creator oh, yeah. of the JoJo animated openings and that one episode or two episodes of Star Wars Visions. But mostly the JoJo, the really good 3D JoJo openings. <laughs> yeah, Pop Team Epic is like a very, I watched it because I think it was on Netflix. Um, so that's how you know yeah, it's, it's on big. Netflix. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like, I was expecting... Like, the two, I guess, main characters to show up in, like, a consistent comedy story, but it's just, like, a series nope. of <laughs> skits, and I was very confused, but also intrigued. Yeah, it's very surrealist. Like, yeah. every episode has a different voice actor for the two main girls, and half the time they're voiced <laughs> by, like, guys who sound like they deadlift 300 pounds. It's so good. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Okay, so I have two, I have two notes. Mm -hmm. First one is, Hitalia is technically oh a Yonkoma. I will not be talking about it. Why would you? Invoke I will Hitalia? not be talking about it. 
Because I legally had to. It is a Yonkoma. Legally? I am not going to talk about it. Okay. And if if you like, if you genuinely like Hitalia in this, the year of our Lord 2022, this is probably, this is definitely not the podcast for you. <laughs> <laughs> you will not have a good time here. The only innocent reason I could see for that is if you watch it out of the context of like, I don't know, history, but also the context of like when it was big in like 2008-ish, where there are way too many teenagers dressing up as Nazis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, no. So like, mm, if you genuinely and truly like Hitalia in this, the year of our Lord 2022, this is not the podcast for you. You're going to have a bad time. <laughs> Be gone. I mean, we can't actually do anything to make you not listen, but, like, I'm just telling you, you're not going to have a good time. We're going to dunk on it for being shit. <laughs> but for my last bullet point on Yon Coma, I have a shout out to the Gaijin for Coma reaction guys images, which are those two very famous images of the IGN reporters from two separate E3 conferences that got turned almost instantly overnight once the two pictures were lined up side by side into a meme. <laughs> uh, Do I know this one? It's incredible. It's had the staying power for a billion years. Here we go. Yeehaw. Here you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the boys. (laughs) The beloved boys. Oh, they did a remake? (laughs) They did. Good for them. This will be on the Instagram for anyone who is very confused. Yeah. It's such a good meme, though. (laughs) It's such a good reaction image. It is. It's fucking immortal. It's so good. But the Gaijin for Coma, a.k.a. the reaction guys or the IGN dudes, is... This set of two photographs of a group of IGN reporters reacting to different exhibits at uh, two separate E3 expos with very vastly different amounts of excitement. (laughs) The top photo is usually them looking impassively or almost with disappointment or disinterest. And then the second photo is them yelling in unextrained excitement about something that is clearly much more interesting. And then sometimes the format can be switched where the reverse is they're excited about something and then there's a mistake in perhaps the game development or the whatever the, the joke is and... Then they'll have the very unimpressed picture at the bottom, which is also very funny. Mm -hmm. Like, both versions are good. But the the history of the pictures themselves is the photograph of the four IGN reporters, Matt, Craig, Chad, and Pierre, looking disinterested and disappointed, was originally taken during Nintendo's conference at E3 in 2003 where Nintendo's CEO introduced Pac-Man Versus 
for the GameCube, which was incredibly lackluster. They had no reaction. (laughs) And the photograph of the same men where they're so fucking pumped and with good goddamn reason was the next year at E3 2004 where Nintendo announced that they were releasing a new Zelda game and that Zelda game was Twilight Princess. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Twilight Princess, one of the best Zelda games ever. <laughs> My personal, like, top top three favorite Zelda games. Mm-hmm. So, like, reaction completely warranted. <laughs> and so these pictures were originally posted to the IGN board, which I assume was a, like, a forum or a posting area on IGN. And eventually these two... Separate photographs were incorporated into the Yonkoma comic strip format on the channel of game, on the board of game hardware on, unfortunately, the website 2chan, Mm. which is wild to think that 2chan has produced anything wholesome ever, but like it gave birth to this meme. So it gets, gets a pass this once, but it's on thin fucking ice. Yeah, the thing with, like, message boards like 2chan and 4chan is that, like, there are different boards where, like, good things actually come out of, but where the Mm -hmm. festering cesspool of garbage came from is, like, like, forums like 90% of the rest of it. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. Well, like, a lot of the garbage just came from, like, one specific, like, trash board. And that's where, like, you get your neo-Nazis and your, um, trolls that became those neo-Nazis, so. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of tragic. But for people who don't know, 2Channel, 2Chan for short, is a Japanese message board website where there are dozens upon dozens of different separate boards for different topics that you can post in and talk to strangers about stuff. The American equivalent is 4chan. But on the game hardware board, this new comic strip format with the IGN guys was dubbed Gaijin Yonkoma or Four Frame (laughs) Foreigners. And according to the archived threads, the reaction images as in the Yonkoma style became popular on 2chan. As early of June 2004, and people still use those reaction images to this day. Maybe not so much as, like, a full Yonkoma comic format anymore, but, like, I definitely have both of those. Im- like, I have the bottom one on my phone, and I definitely <laughs> have used it to react to stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it has staying power, even if it's not really used in the original intended meme format anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my episode. Um, I hope you learned some stuff and it was interesting. I know that I rambled a lot and went on some wild tangents, but when don't we? That was cool because I didn't really know. I didn't know anything about the history of um, Yonkoma and you mentioned some other manga that I've never heard of that I might check out. So yeah, like I definitely do want to go back and do an episode on, you know, the legitimate no don't call him that brain good lord the legitimate godfather of basically all manga as a whole 
but also Yon Koma. My brain wanted me to say the pimp daddy of manga, but that <laughs> no. I don't know why. That is I don't no. know why. No. No, I know. I know. Bad. I know. Yeah. I that was me <laughs> verbally hitting myself with a newspaper as my brain like as my brain tried to make me say it. <laughs> then I said it anyway. But like not know. with the intent. Listen, I've said more embarrassing shit on this podcast already. I like I have no shame. It's I've talked about homestuck. Like there's nothing anyone can do to me. I I have no shame. Um but yeah, I definitely do want to do an episode on Kitazawa cuz he just mm-hmm. seems like a super fascinating guy and I want to dive more into possibly the parallels of both like the American version of Saturday Sunday morning cartoon strips coming together the same time as manga was becoming convergent evolution (laughs) that's what they did they did convergent evolution holy shit that's incredible (sighs) um but yeah so that that was definitely like a heavier like historical information episode but hopefully it was interesting because Mm -hmm. i think it's interesting but i'm also a huge fucking nerd. Do we want to talk about what we've been watching? I have not watched anything that counts as an anime. Okay. <laughs> like the last week. What about you? Um, I decided that I'm going to stop taking chances and stuff that sucks. I did bitch in the Discord about the show called Love of Kill. Oh, is that why I came back to, like, 80 messages? (laughs) I was like, what the fuck happened here? I'm so annoyed at the fact that, like, I'm so good at yelling about stuff I don't like. I'm gonna go back and see if what I said. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, so Love of Kill I picked up because someone in another Discord was talking about it, and I was like, oh, it seems interesting. They seem to be watching it every week. I don't know what to watch this season, so I'll check it out. (sighs) And the plot is basically, like, this is a world where you have people who do, like, I guess there are different companies that have popped up for bounty hunters and assassins and stuff, and the first episode starts with the main character runs in on a guy basically taking out her target and then they get into a minor Mm -hmm. fight and he pins her down and is like tell me what her name is and she's like what and he's like well i never get to meet women so tell me what your name is why would you why would you just say that i there is a way that that would be kind of funny but it's not because it's very clear from the outset and it's very annoying because the main character, whose name, by the way, is, um, her name is Chateau Danksworth. Danksworth. <laughs> and Okay, love the name Danksworth. Um, that does sound like a shitpost. Don't like that yes. she's named after, like, the French word for, like, fancy house. That's weird. Her name is... Her name is basically just Castle Weedgood. I don't like it. 
but castle welcome to <laughs> castle weed good this is where we have the good kush so the whole premise of the show is that this guy is like constantly running after her because he really wants a date with her and it's not entirely clear why because i just assumed it was like oh that's what creepy guys do they just go after the nearest pretty woman who they think they can overpower but it's Mm. implied in the episode that she's like not like other girls whatever the fuck that means and violence murder kill (laughs) and i was watching it and i was like why like usually this kind of thing is the kind of thing that i like in that kind of fucked up way because i love devil's line which is basically kind of the same thing it's a world where there are vampires uh and people know about them but there's like regulations and stuff like humans and vampires aren't supposed to get together because like bloodlust and general lust are very tied together for vampires so like Mm. if you try to hook up with a vampire you will die and the difference is is that the main human character and the main vampire character, while the human woman doesn't have much power because she's just, she's like not trained in fighting or anything, but she always has that option to walk away. Whereas in Love of Kill, the main character, the main female character isn't given that option. And it's very clear from the outset that she is not interested. Like it's not even that kind of like, this is fucked up, but I'm intrigued. It's just kind of like, There's this very annoying guy texting her at all hours of the day and she isn't interested, but he won't leave her alone, which is not mysterious and interesting and hot. It's just creepy, but I'm supposed to not think it's creepy. Hey, you know, what's you know, it's fucked up. (laughs) The fact that that sounds so bad that it makes Vampire Night look good in my brain. Oh, God. And Vampire Night's not good. Vampire Night has (laughs) fucking incest. But you know what? At least Yuki is like... A vampire hunter. Girls got agency in some capacity. She uses yeah. that agency to bury her br- her brother, but <laughs> she does fuck her I never brother. Finished. But she she uses that agency for <laughs> gross reasons. But you know, it the the important factor is that the agency is there. <laughs> yeah, I think there's like a difference between fucked up like Twilight or Devil's Line or Vampire Night. And fucked up, like, Love of Kill, where it's just abusive. We get it. You're cishet and boring. (sighs) I just, I was not feeling it. Like, even when I was watching it, Zach was next to me on the couch and was like, doesn't seem like you're enjoying this. And I was like, I I gave it away. (laughs) So I watched the whole episode because I was like, what if perhaps there is something at the end that will redeem everything? And it really didn't. There's like a cliffhanger kind of where it's implied that the main character Chateau is an orphan. But at that point, I just didn't give a shit. Like she, she's a kind of character that doesn't say much, but I've seen characters that don't say much that have a level of intrigue, but she doesn't feel like a fleshed out character. So I'm not no, interested. No, she's just a vehicle for the author's, for the creator's weird power fantasy. Yeah. And like, not that she's the one who gets to be the cool, powerful one. It's about possessing and being weird and horny at someone. 
Yeah, I'm just gross. I'm not into it. Very boring. Yeah, no, like literally before I came out to record, like Jack was, I guess, he's been playing Elden Ring. Mm. And so he had a video on autoplay. I guess he was watching something about Starcraft lore. And he just, out of nowhere, I'm about to get up to like come and set up to record. And he's like, how come they gave Kerrigan high heels? And I said, because, uh, cishet gamer bros are very boring and she would have looked 10 times better with hooves and digigrade legs mm-hmm. instead of high heels i don't know if you've ever seen a picture of kerrigan from like starcraft but she's got like these ridiculous um. like almost bayonetta high heels on top of already oh. basically not wearing clothes because she's in like a fucked up like keratin carapace skin suit mm. Uh, she's very sexualized. It's very boring. It's very basic. I think every cishet man that creates a women character that looks like that should be forced to wear eight-inch stilettos for the rest of their life <laughs> as penance. It's only fair. Yeah, I just think it's... I don't it's understand. Boring I, I and don't... gross. <laughs> I try to be very open-minded and look at things from different perspectives, but I still have not grasped the idea that some men have where they don't think of women as people. Mm-hmm. I just... You know. It's it's bizarre to me. I don't understand how you come to that conclusion and never question it. Yeah. You know. <sighs> the other thing I'm watching is an anime called... Sasaki Tomiano, which is a, it's about these two characters in high school, Miyano, who reads BL or Yaoi comics, and Sasaki, who he strikes up a friendship with, and Miyano will lend him BL manga. Wait, 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 is this about the straight dude who's into boys love and, like, has to become friends with Fujoshi because he's too much of a bitch boy to go buy boys love on his own because he has to be straight um no i think you're thinking of a different anime which i haven't seen okay because that is literally the setup of a yon coma that i did not make a bullet point about is it the high school life of a fudanshi yeah yeah Uh, i saw the description of that and i went well that's cursed (laughs) well is the one that you're watching any good actually yeah, it's cute, but in that kind of, like, world without homophobia way. Okay. Which is, like, it's interesting because the manga list I, or the anime list I use has different tags for different genres or things that appear mm-hmm. in the story. And this one has the BL tag, but not the LGBT tag. Okay, so it's for fetishists, then, I <sighs> not, not really. I don't... I don't know. It's it's the kind of thing where, like, they're not really caricatures of people, but it's very much, like, no one discusses sexuality. Like, the difference between, like, the BL tag and the LGBT tag, at least with this list, is that, like, the LGBT ones are, like, they will explicitly mention sexuality in some way. Or it's more nuanced than, like, like, you'll have a character trying to figure out their sexuality. Like, Love stage is very much like a typical BL or Yaoi, but the main mm-hmm. character has to come to terms with what his sexuality is 
and talks to someone about it, talks to someone who is gay, and then Mm. comes to the conclusion or decides that, like, they have a crush on the person that they have a crush on and gender doesn't really matter because they like that person so much, that kind of thing. Yeah. Which, like, I think that character's bisexual and you just never say bisexual. But Mm -hmm. I think there's a difference between, like, that kind of thing and other BL where it's just kind of, like, sexuality doesn't factor into it. There's a little bit of, like, I can't like him, he's a guy kind of thing. But it's not, like, an actual examination of what it means to be queer, necessarily. Mm -hmm. But I think Sasaki Tomiyano is a very, like, lighthearted kind of romance if you're interested in, like, Watching something cute without having to think too hard, basically. It's interesting having... Because there are not that many, I think, anime where the main character is into BL and is also male. So, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I think it's cute. We'll see how it goes. If it turns out to be, like, horribly, weirdly homophobic, then I will take it all back, but... Okay. Well, (laughs) keep me updated. Yeah. Because I almost lost my mind that it was the one that I (laughs) thought I uh, read about today and was like, oh boy. (laughs) I almost had a heart attack because I saw that. (sighs) Somehow I don't think I would be as chill. (laughs) Yeah. And then the last one, I don't know if I'm going to keep watching it. It's called Barao no Soretsu or... Requiem of the Rose King. It's the one that's based on, like, Henry V? I don't know. Yeah, you mentioned that last episode. Yeah. Um, And I brought it up in the Discord because I'm not 100% sure where it's going with the main character. Because the main character is clearly intersex. But the way he's portrayed in the story is as, like, a spectacle. Like, they did that thing... That happens to a lot of trans characters where the character undresses or is forced to undress and all the cis people freak out about it, which I'm not a fan of. It is Mm. set in the 15th century, but I do wonder what the purpose of that kind of transphobia serves because it is based in like, it's like part historical, but very much fictional So I Mm -hmm. don't know if it's going to do anything, like, interesting with that, where, like, the main character, where it, like, challenges that transphobia, or if it's going to be the kind of thing where it's, like, having this reaction to a trans person's body is normal or something, which, not into that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I might keep watching and see where it goes, but it's kind of, like, it's like a three out of five for me currently. Okay, so very, very middle of the road and could go either way. Yeah. Let me see. Is there anything else? I'm trying not to watch, like, 15 shows at once. I respect your self-control. And I, I'm obviously still continuing with um Ranking of Kings because it's very good. Um, yeah. And that's I it. mean, I've heard good things about it. I may, I may pick it up. Yeah. Like, it's very... It feels like it has intention behind it. Like, it doesn't feel like... It feels like the story is planned out and the world is fleshed out and it's not kind of like surface level like other anime I've seen where the world building is kind of half-assed because they just want to get to the action part. Like all of these characters have interwoven histories and stuff and it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. 
And it has disabled characters beyond the main character, too, so... Nice. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's it. We've been recording for, like, two and a half hours. So much for it being short. This happens every fucking time. Yep. Good God. Why does it keep happening? It keeps (laughs) happening. I knew it was bad when you had just started with notes and I came up with, like, an entirely unrelated tangent and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm doing it again. And I still still happened listen here's the thing we both encourage each other with it we don't shut each other's tangents down (laughs) so it's just it's it's a feedback loop of extending all of the bullshit that we (laughs) talk about that's completely unrelated to whatever topic is at hand sure i'm good at talking wow uh i mean more fodder for cutting room floor bonus episodes you know that's true if anything, we're generating twice the amount of content that we actually need. <laughs> so, hey. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at 2EasePod, or you can email us at weavesinatrenchcoat at gmail.com. Our opening theme is My Way by Vitney, and the music you're listening to right now is What's the Angle by Shane Ivers. And I'm Madison. And I'm Suzanne. Oh, I completely... I completely forgot that I wanted to do, like, a segment thing. Uh-huh. So you're not constantly on the hook for, like, coming up with something funny at the end? For funny jokes and japes <laughs> jingling across the floor <laughs> like a little jester? <laughs> Entertain the king! <laughs> Thanks, because my brain's been dead the past couple episodes. God, where is it? Um, But I wanted to do, like, I haven't even come up with, like, a good name for it. But just, like, to finish off with, like, a stupid anime name, um, if you have a uh, suggestion for what the segment should be called, I'm all ears. Suggest it on Twitter or in the Discord, you know. Hey. But this is inspired by a Tumblr post about how entertaining anime is because you'll have, like, a serious show and then because the creators are Japanese, they don't really understand how Western names work. So you end up with characters with names like Jacuzzi Splot from Bacano. Jacuzzi what now? Jacuzzi Splot. Cool. What does that even mean? His name is Jacuzzi. And then the sound that your ice cream makes when it falls on the ground. You know, like a real name wanna, that a real person has. Do you wanna you wanna spell that for me? <laughs> Jacuzzi, J A C U Z Z I, Splot, S P O L T. Oh, cool. Yep. That's his real legal legal name. His legal God given name? (laughs) His Christian name is Mr. Jacuzzi Splot. Um. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Here, I'll do. I'll do a JoJo character name. Um, oh God. Because there are some, there are some choice ones. Would you like a stand or a person? Let's do a person. Okay, we'll do a person this time. Let's do. Okay, so choose a part one through eight. Oh God. Um, six. Okay. So there's a guy. I don't know if we've met him yet in the anime, but his name is Sports Max. I'm sorry? Sports Max. 
That's the not word a name. Sports. <laughs> the word sports. Sports. S P O R T S. Uh huh. His last name is Max. M A X X. Sports Max. That is both a porn name and the name of a sports channel. Oh, and his localized name is Sports Maximum. Oh my god. <laughs> it is apparently his namesake is Sport Max, one of the style lines of the Italian fashion business Max Mara. Oh my god. Would you like to know his stand name as a bonus? Because okay. I didn't realize this was the guy with this stand name. Oh no. So Sports Max, his stand name is Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Would you like to know <laughs> the localized name? How do you localize Limp Biscuit? <sighs> okay. I'm gonna cry. Um, so they they localized his name. Um, to <laughs> um, so they localized Limp Biscuit to Flaccid Pancake. <laughs> um, are yes. you crying because I'm crying? <laughs> Suzanne, are you there? <laughs> I had to I had to roll away Fellas. from my microphone, but I peeked it anyway. I'm crying. <laughs> I'm <laughs> crying, dude. I'm crying. I've been I've been trying to hold back tears for the last like two minutes trying to tell you that they localized his name to Flossy Pancake. Oh my god, I love JoJo's Bizarre Adventure so much. Okay. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Every time I think about it, I just... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can't do this. We have to stop. Okay, what if we named the segment JoJo's Localization Adventure? <laughs> and I just pick a random page on the wiki every time. <laughs> my abs hurt. How do you feel about that segment concept? Okay. Because this is amazing. <laughs> I don't know if we can top flaccid pancake. Oh, there are some, trust me, but that was a gut punch I was not expecting. I knew about him, but I didn't know that I'd get him right off the bat. Oh my god. I'm crying. Oh my god. Okay. Well, join us next time, everybody, for our new segment, JoJo's Bizarre Localization Adventure. <laughs> Where I see if randomly clicking on a page on the on the JoJo wiki will break me and Suzanne from laughing. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Classic pancake. Classic pancake. No. Oh, I also wanted to mention because it keeps coming up in various episodes but the chair i'm recording in right now does this awful like i can't get it to do it now but it does this like really 
annoying squeaking. Uh-huh. And what I did one week is that I switched out this chair, because it's Zach's chair, with mine. But it's such a fucking hassle that I just decided to live with it. But now sometimes I'll talk and you'll just hear, like, this really weird, like, crunching noise. Oh. And <laughs> I just wanted to mention, in case anyone's noticed it and is like... When are they going to bring up the fact that there's, like, this weird creaking in the background? It's not farts. It's the chair. Okay. Straight up, I have been listening to the episode, like, past episodes when they come out. I haven't heard anything. Oh, okay. So now I'll just have people paying attention to it. And... I, well, listen, I haven't noticed, okay? I'm sorry. Okay. Like, legitimately, <laughs> I, like, I have not noticed anything weird in terms of, like, background noises. Mm-hmm. And, like, those are things that I usually catch because I do have misphonia, so. Yeah. But, like, I legitimately, like, if there's been, like, a squeaky chair, I have not caught it. It has not been loud enough for me to catch. That may not be true for other people listening, but, like, for me, I, I can fuck if I know. I'm trying to get some squeak sounds. You know what it sounds like. Get some squeak but sounds. But it's not really. There's one. Okay. I mean, I'll talk. Well, I I can't hear it over like Discord. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I just wanted to mention it just in case. Okay. Well, now everyone knows. Yep. So they can keep an ear out for it. I probably will continue no. to not hear it. <laughs> okay. Jesus Christ. Starting for realsies, realsies, realsies this time. 